Good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? Just good. Okay, good. That's about the same answer I got at 8 o'clock this morning, so that's good. I'm, I'm used to it. Um, today I'm going to be preaching from Matthew 4, but uh, first off I want to tell you about something that happened just before that. So if you'd flip back just a little bit, Matthew 3, 13 through 17, I'm going to talk about Jesus being baptized. Now, um, it, in Matthew 3, it tells us, Matthew tells us the account of it. Now, for a few of you Bible nerds like me, this is the only time that Jesus and John the Baptist meet in this gospel. So in verse 13, Jesus, it says that Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Now, that was a distance of about 65 miles or more. So that was quite the trek to just be baptized to fulfill everything. Now, uh, John's response in verse 14 is a perfect one as far as I'm concerned, because he says, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Now, John the Baptist knew that Jesus was coming and that he knew that he was there. Now, of course, that would be a perfect response, because if I saw Jesus want to be baptized by me, I would look at him like, I have no idea where to even start with that. I'm not even worthy to be tie your own sandals. So that's a perfect response. But Jesus says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John baptizes Jesus. So this event marks the beginning of Jesus's ministry. Now, some of you might be asking, OK, so if. Jesus, Son of God, was without sin. Then why did he need to be baptized to be washed free of sin? Well, I've come up with four reasons for you today. Like what Jesus said, number one is to fulfill all righteousness. He was blessed by and to God and was officially approved by him. Two, John the Baptist publicly announces the arrival of the Messiah. And three, Jesus completely identifies himself with our sin and failure. and He becomes our substitute. And four, of course, his baptism was an example to his followers. So Jesus is baptized. He comes out of the water. And at that moment, heaven is opened up and the spirit of God descends on him like a dove. And God says, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Now, Jesus starts his earthly ministry and by showing us that being baptized is very important and that the devil is going to try and come and tempt him, as we soon find out. Now, I can tell you from my baptism experience, I was immediately uh, followed by the devil to be tempted as soon as I got up the next morning. So it, it will happen to everyone. The devil is always going to try to come get you to fall every day. So the Spirit of God takes Jesus out into the desert or the wilderness to test him. Three tests. And temptations all around us. So this morning... I want to climb a mountain with everybody. Not a real mountain. You know, when I picked Terry up this morning, he said he was ready to climb a mountain this morning. Even though I didn't tell him it was a theoretical one, he's still ready to go. So it's a theoretical. I want to think of Jesus' temptation experience as climbing a mountain as well. We start at the bottom, and at each level, Jesus gets higher and higher, and the tests get harder and harder. So the temptations that Jesus faces aren't really ones that we can relate to. But it is because Jesus's was divinely intended, as we find out in Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 3, says that remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So for everything for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. Jesus is hungry. I can relate to that because I'm hungry after 40 minutes of not eating. 
So the devil comes and says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, the devil isn't casting doubt on Jesus's divinity, but he is tempting him to use his supernatural powers for his own gain. Now, Jesus answers him by quoting more scripture from Deuteronomy. It says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just as God gave the Israelites manna in the wilderness, so we must also rely on God for spiritual feeding and not on our own miracle powers. Just like Jesus did. He relied on his father, not his own miracle powers for food. So here we are at the bottom of this mountain in this first test. For Jesus, it became the opportunity to turn stones into bread. But for us, I think the larger type of temptation is to get our tendency to get nourishment from things from the wrong places. This tendency is the first level of the test. In this category are the basic things that even the culture deems as temptations. Sex, drugs, lying, cheating, stealing, the basics. You know, when I became a minister, they gave you a little list of all the sins on it. And that's what I just copied down. Now, these are all the stones that we try to turn into bread that will feed us. Now, I'm no dietitian, but I know from my own experience that these stones will not nourish you. They will put you into worse shape than before. Like, actually, if you started eating rocks instead of food, you'd be end up in really bad shape. So even if you try to turn these stones into food through justification or excuses, they're still not going to nourish your body and soul. We can beat this temptation by recognizing the truth in Jesus' words in John 6.35. It says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And the Psalms tells us over and over again that God provides food for every living thing in due season. So if we try to find satisfaction elsewhere, you'll never, ever start to climb that mountain. You're beating the bushes around the base looking for the wrong things. But there's a light shining down on you showing you the path. You just have to follow it. Now, from the plain, Jesus is taken to the holy city. And the devil has him stand on the highest point of the temple. And the devil tells Jesus to throw himself down. And then something crazy happens. The devil quotes scripture. He actually misuses Psalms 91, 11, and 12. But he still, he still quotes it. When, when I first became a Christian and started studying the Bible, that just kind of blew my mind. Like, okay, the devil's quoting scripture. That's crazy. So I paraphrase what the devil says into kind of like devil language. But it's okay. Kids can listen. It's fine. So it's kind of like, so, you have entrusted your life to God, have you? That's good. I can see that you really are a person of faith. I know that you have purposed your life by faith. I can also see that you have a deep respect for God's word. You trust in God and in his word. That, too, is good. So let me call your attention to a scripture of particular relevance. It says, for he will order his angels to protect you in all you do. They will lift you up in their hands so you will not slip and fall on a stone. The devil can kind of twist something. I know it's hard to believe that the devil can twist something God made good into something wicked. Crazy, right? But Jesus answers by saying, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This level of temptation takes advantage of what we learned on the first level. And by this point, we know what feeds us and what doesn't. We took a big step out in faith to find nourishment that God will provide said, okay, God, I'm going to step out and do this. He continues to provide nourishment and satisfaction if we left those stones behind. Now, God does and did provide. We began to climb eagerly, waiting to get to the top. 
the path is clear before us, but sometimes it looks hard. And we kind of think, I know I have to go up the mountain, but there are other ways around up that mountain. That, that path over there looks a little bit easier. I'm going to go over there and, and do that one. God's still going to provide for me. This temptation is the desire to be irresponsible and to let God pick up all of our messes from our foolish decisions. Decisions. Sorry. We can jump off the temple roof and God will save us. You know, at this level, we're tempted to become spoiled children of God, expecting that he will pick up all of our messes, even if we spend the whole day watching Netflix. This is something I can really relate to. I can sometimes procrastinate with the best of them. You know, the hottest commodity nowadays is time. We must have discipline to appropriate time for the things that we are committed to. God, family, friends, work. You know, I ask God for discipline to beat procrastination all the time. But, you know, for this lesson example, I made sure I started on it weeks ago. But, you know, certain things come up throughout the week and on the weekend. But I did get it done, so don't worry, I'm not going to wing it on the end. But I kept asking God for discipline. It was kind of like God was saying, I'll supply the message, you have the discipline. Dude, it's always right. Always right. If we ever want to get to the top of the mountain, we have to quit expecting God to do the climbing for us. He provides strength, nourishment, and all we need for the journey to get there. He'll even catch us when we fall down and pick us up and dust us off. Now, the third test is, is, a, is a unique one. Because what sets it off at the top of the mountain is that everything up there is a good thing. None of them are things that should be ignored. All need attention and some level of priority. Out of all the good things in the world, what is going to be your top priority? If you ever read the book Gods at War, the um, book made me think very differently, especially after the first chapter. I read that first chapter and I had to set it down and reevaluate my life and make some more better decisions because it was, it's a good book. Made me think of uh, certain things I was putting before God, even though I didn't know I was putting them before God. So this final test is like a sorting out of whether we are truly committed to living out the words of Deuteronomy 6, which are, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. All, all, all. It's like buttoning a shirt. If I were to mess up this top button and went down from there, I would look a little weird if I messed it up. I'd be off all the way. And my wife wouldn't let me out of the house like that, but still, I would still try it. You guys would be up there like pointing like, I think you messed up a shirt. So if you get the top thing right, the rest of it kind of falls into place. You get the main thing, the main thing, the rest will fall into place. And Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, the devil takes Jesus up to a very tall mountain and tells him that if he were to worship the devil, Jesus would be given all the kingdoms in the world. Now, the devil was tempting Jesus to skip the sufferings of the cross, the very thing he was sent to earth to do. It offered an easy shortcut to world supremacy. Now, the devil can tell us a lot of things. If we stop worshiping God and listen to the devil, that we'll have everything that we want. Now, of course, the devil offers something here that he doesn't even, it's not even his authority to, to give. Another deceit by the master of deception. Jesus answers him by saying, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left, and the angels came and attended him. And that's very comforting to me, because you get the devil to go away by passing tests, then the angels come and minister to you, 
when we finally prove that God is the most important, our number one priority. Now, if we make something or someone else number one, then look to them for support. It may last for a while, but only God can offer unending love and unending support. Church, the story of Jesus' temptation is the story of our spiritual growth. It is what Jesus must prove before he is sent out into ministry, and so it is with us. If you want to be followers of Jesus, our first task is to climb the mountain of temptation. So we can learn three things. One, that God alone can nourish us. That we have to do our part in the climbing. And that even though many wonderful things clamor for our attention, we need to make God absolutely and unquestionably first in our lives. Then the angels will come to strengthen us. Church, we have journeyed on a mountain climb. Learning, growing with God, with the devil, throwing things at us that he thinks we can't handle. When we stand at the top of that mountain victorious with the angels surrounding us. What better way to praise God than at the top of a mountain with angels, amen? Now, the last time I was at the top of a mountain and I really felt angels surrounding me was in La Palma last year. We, of course, we did a lot of work in June last year, but the kids sang a song called Open the Eyes of My Heart in English. And... I broke down and cried like a baby. I'm sure you guys have seen me do that before anyway. I'm not afraid to tell you that. But those kids singing in English, a song that we had sung with the teens hundreds of times, sung at the teen house, every youth rally we sing that song. But for some reason, that time just broke my heart and made me cry because those kids took the time to learn English and to praise God in English for us. That was a great time to be ministered to when you were expected to go down there to be a minister to somebody else. Now, we have some brothers and sisters getting ready to head down to La Palma in six days. And I know that you'll be working hard to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But please take the time to be ministered to as well. I know that you will. Te amamos. We love you. It was, you know, I brought this subject up a couple weeks ago at our men's breakfast we have every Tuesday. And it was a great way to hear um, the range of temptations that you face from age 18, and we'll just say over 18. It was comforting to know that years after you give your life to Christ, that you will be tempted by the devil, but you can still have that weapon and that comfort of Jesus to know that you can beat it in the comfort of Scripture and the comfort of the church body. Such a great thing. Learned a lot that morning. And um, it was great to be ministered to from Heartland Summer Nights this past Wednesday. Those kids learning about Noah, wanting to answer questions just to dunk a ball to some stranger in a dunk tank. They had no idea who I was, but they wanted to know and answer questions for Noah because they wanted to see me dunk. Now, that is okay. I'll take that any day because it was fun. And to hear those kids answer the questions right, how many sons did Noah have, how many animals of each kind did they have, they, they knew all of those things, and it was just very... Comforting to know that they knew that, even though they were just trying to make him go underwater. Now, the story of Jesus being tempted is a great example for us today by saying, as soon as you give your life to Christ, everything's not sunshine and rainbows. You're still going to be tempted by that devil every day. He's going to try to get you to fall every day. But if we keep God our number one priority and keep Scripture close to our hearts, that Jesus will help us along the way of climbing life's mountain of temptation. If any of you are having trouble struggling up that 
uh, mountain of life with temptation. And that's that you come forward as we stand and sing. We have an elder in the front and we'll have an elder in the back as we as we stand and sing.